The sun has abandoned its post and left us all in darkness. The great wheel turns once more, drawing this year to a close. These are the dark and uncertain times. The time of chaos, Yule lads and lords of misrule. We hope these ghostly stories, told in old tradition, will bring you at least a little of that Christmas spirit. Go on, fix a cup of hot chocolate or eggnog and bask in the glow of whichever lights you use to celebrate. Listen to the howling winds that carry the dead on wild hunts. Keep watch for the hungry giants among the swaying trees. Perhaps we'll find a song to mask that sinister scrabbling in the chimney. Candy Cane by Jeff C. Carter Magnolia sat on her stump at the edge of the school playground. She tucked her chin into her puffy pink jacket and dragged a candy cane across the blacktop, laying down a sugary white line. A group of foraging ants crawled over to investigate. Merry Christmas, she whispered. Boots crunched on dead leaves until she was surrounded. They were Ugg boots, new and trendy, each costing more than Magnolia's entire outfit. She was lanky, tall for 15, but her purple sparkle shirt and rainbow patch jeans stood in stark contrast to their fashionable black leggings. Hey, Magnobody, sitting with your friends? Laughter swirled around her like winter wind. Is it true you still believe in Santa? She does, another girl giggled. She told Lisa at Brittany's sleepover. Magnolia said nothing, eyes fixed on the feeding ants. Well, do you believe in Santa or not? Her cheeks burned red and she shrugged, sinking deeper into her jacket. Say it. Say Santa isn't real. The candy cane snapped against the ground, shattering into a red hook. I won't. The girls clapped their gloved hands and cackled. Oh my god, that's so adorable. I cannot wait to tell everybody. Before we go, do you still believe in unicorns or the tooth fairy? The click skipped off, chanting Santa Baby as they hurried to spread fresh rumors and humiliation. Their voices were erased by a grinding breath that carried an animal stench. It was not the wet hay smell of the petting zoo. It was the dank reek of sunless forest, moss-stained hide and old rot, mingled with a bitter perfume of smoke and iron. Magnolia kept her eyes down, as she always did. A spider crept from a crevice, eyes glinting green and black as it watched the ants. The beast's furnace breath broke with a snort that probed the air like a question. Magnolia answered quietly. Naughty. Talons clacked and chains jangled as the creature withdrew in pursuit of its prey. Magnolia watched the spider slink away with its first ant bound up and ready to eat. Merry Christmas, she whispered. Yeah, death to the non-believers. <laughs> that was the alternate title to the story. <laughs> death to the non-believers. Ed, uh, I, I have to thank you and uh, Magnolia for the inspiration for that story. I, sh I should have called her in to read it, actually. I think the language in that story was worthy of an RG. Congratulations. <laughs> that is high praise, and, and you would know. Just kidding, just kidding. I mean, it was, but I, 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 I don't think that highly of myself in real life. But it was beautiful. Well, thanks. He spoke not a word. Santa slipped down the chimney with the grace of a snowflake. 
and settled atop a bed of cold ashes. A wisp of soot drifted forth like a languid murmuration of starlings. He recognized his perfect stillness and entered the home with a sigh. The owner lay on her sofa, wilted and lifeless. This was hardly a rare event. Santa visited vast multitudes the world over. Sometimes he saw worse. In a way, it was a relief. Santa was ageless, but Christmas Eve was a very long night. This allowed him a fleeting moment of rest. He plopped onto the worn-out orange chair beside her. He remembered her well. Every letter she sent, each item on her wish list, and of course, the cookies she always left for him. A small pyramid of treats waited on a fine china plate. He picked one up and rotated it to catch the light. Speckles of brown sugar and cinnamon glistened along a drizzle of caramel that crisped at the edges. This had been her great-grandmother's recipe. He took a small bite and savored a unique sweetness, soon to vanish from this world. Santa reached into the wide collar of his leather boot and massaged his knotted calf. When had she grown so old? Why was she alone at the end of her life on Christmas Eve? She had a husband and children. He'd received their letters mere decades ago. Where were they now? He took another bite and gazed upon the half-naked Christmas tree. The balance of ornaments, the bare branches had shifted over time, marking the progressive arch of her spine. Still, she always made the effort to get a real tree. This one smelled bright and fresh. It wouldn't last. But then, nothing did. Except for Santa and a few of his ilk. He truly had no idea what was next for her. She had been on the nice list more times than not. He hoped that counted for something. He wrapped the last few cookies on a piece of parchment and headed back to work. When he got home, he would share them with Mrs. Claus and the others. He would bring out her old letters and read them while they ate. It was not the memorial that she deserved, but he tried to make her sweetness last a little while longer. No, uh, that's a damn good story. <laughs> well done, Drew. Thank you. I love the idea that Santa doesn't, he's insular and he, you know, he he's like in his own corner. Like I hate it in uh, movies and stuff. They always, 
have a tendency to have Santa be like best buds with the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy and all that shit. And I hate that. Yeah, Santa does seem, yeah, like he's kind of holed up there in the North Pole. And, uh, in his fastness. In his fastness. With only the other immortals. Who knows, perhaps the elves are like mayflies that just live a few hours and die as far as he's concerned. Oh, dear God. I mean, I don't know if they're all immortal. I don't know if they're like Tolkien elves. Yeah, they're, no, they've all gone to the west. These, this is the west. The North Pole is the west. There's not even year-round sea ice at the North Pole anymore. That's right. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right, uh, I'm going to dive into my story, try to bring up the mood, since Drew worked so hard to bum us out. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, thanks, Drew. Thanks, Drew. Bah humbug. Jeez, Drew. My work is done. Free drinks. The dive bar sat in the shadow of the hospital. It kept a small table in a dark corner, far from the other customers. A weary knot of first responders was always there, building towers of empty glasses. Nurses gathered to bitch after swing shifts. Cops unwound after night shifts and ambulance drivers dozed after brutal 24-hour shifts. They were exhausted, but raucous, swapping war stories and gallows humor, giggling at the lurid details of other people's trauma. It was the time-honored way to ward off burnout and cope with constant tragedy. Nowadays, of course, that meant trading photos on smartphones. They passed around candid shots of extreme gore, competing to deliver, the most sick and twisted images. The winner drank for free. A burly cop barged in from the freezing rain. He used his sleeve to dry his wind-chapped face and bristly brown mustache and then signaled the bartender with two fingers. He made a beeline for the table in the corner. He pulled up a seat next to a yawning ER doctor and a twitchy young paramedic. A silver-haired waitress set down a bottle of beer and a shot for him. The cop tipped the shot down his throat and smiled. Got a fucking good one tonight, fellas. The paramedic shook her head. Can I finish? The doctor clinked beer bottles with the cop. Just start over. Okay. She reached under her baseball cap and scratched her short blue hair. We got called out to this brownstone, 2, 2.30 in the morning. Guy meets us at the door in a silk bathrobe. He's relieved to see us, but like, definitely embarrassed. The cop lifted his beer. The freaks come out at night. I ask him what's wrong, and he can't bring himself to say it, so he hands me an empty package for a light bulb. The doctor yawned. It's up his ass? Yeah, but it's a total monster. One of those outdoor halogen security lights? Thank God I'm riding with Carlos. I swear he's the butt whisperer. Somehow, he makes this guy relax and gets his entire fist up there at the same time. Some KY and 20 minutes later, she held up her cell phone to show them a picture. The doctor's eyes went wide. That bulb was definitely not designed for inside use. The cop chuckled. And the best part? The paramedic tapped the screen and cast a bright light across the table. It still worked. The doctor reached into his leather jacket and drew his phone with the languid ease of a gunslinger. He swiped through a series of pictures, narrating as he went. Patient too morbidly obese to fit through his own front door. Firefighters have to cut through the side of his house. Too big for the ambulance. 
He gets airlifted to my ER. The cop whistled. That's a big boy. Patient complains of pain in left arm, tightness in chest. Skin is clammy, and not just because he's been vomiting. The paramedic shrugged. Looks overdue for myocardial infarction. So he assumed. We hook him up to an ECG. His heart checks out fine. BP is 108 over 50. Not bad for 500 pounds. I glove up and begin my inspection. I peel up one of the rolls on his left side and find... this. The cop slapped the table, making the empty glasses jump. Is that a fucking rat? We believe it crawled in there looking for food and got stuck. Based on the amount of excrement we found, it was there for some time. It started chewing its way out, but didn't get to freedom. The paramedic shoved her phone back into her pocket. I hope they never invent a phone that can record smells. The cop signaled the bartender again with two fingers. All right, all right. That was strong, Doc. But the patient lived? The doctor swirled his drink. There was nothing we could do for the rat. Well, listen to this. My partner and I just got called out on a 1054, a body under the bridge. I could see the dotted Q from 10 feet away. The doctor raised an eyebrow. Dotted Q? The paramedic wrinkled her nose, tongue out, covered with flies. We roll up on this skeezer, and his tooth-to-tattoo ratio is way off. He's got track marks for days. It's an obvious OD, but my partner decides to be a hero anyway, and she gives him a shot of Narcan just to be sure. He clapped his hands. Fucking junkie pops up, and he comes back to life swinging. Knocks my partner on her ass. Makes a run at me. We both roll down the embankment into fucking traffic. Then the asshole tries to leg it, and BOOM! Dude gets smashed by a fucking semi. He thrust his phone out in victory. The others leaned in, confused. The paramedic pinched and zoomed the photo. Is that his front? Or his back? Fuck if I know. He was road pizza. The waitress delivered another bottle and shot glass. The cop held them aloft like trophies. Now who's buying? Cause it sure as shit ain't me. Excuse me. The cop spun around, startled to find a small man in a beige sweater behind him. May I join you? Sorry, pal. This table's reserved for first responders. The cop gulped down his shot. I'm a dentist, but I offer emergency treatment. Does that count? The cop shared a look with the others. They glanced at their empty drinks and shrugged. Sure, buddy. Take a seat. The dentist slouched in a chair and folded his hands on his lap. He wore thin oval glasses that separated his receding hairline from his thin mouth and soft chin. The cop quickly started on his second beer. We were just playing a sort of game. You want in? That's why I came over. I have a story to share, if I may. He looked at them, without blinking. We're all ears. The cop quickly flashed two fingers at the bartender. As I mentioned, I practice dentistry. On the weekends, I offer my services at a free clinic for the homeless. Well, recently, I treated a lady with an extreme case of periodontitis and tooth decay. He produced his phone and tilted it towards the others. The cop rolled his eyes. Meth mouth. Her teeth were not falling out. They were popping out, as if forced by some internal pressure. The doctor guessed, Pus? The dentist shook his head. The cop folded his arms. What? 
maggots. Actually, it was plants. He scrolled to the next picture. An old tomato seed had become lodged inside her abscessed gums and taken root. The paramedic said, damn dude, and fidgeted with her vape pen. The doctor said, it seems that tonight's theme is foreign bodies. No way. The cop banged down his second empty bottle. I don't care what you all yanked out of those chuckleheads. I saw a dead guy come back to life and then get smeared across the pavement. Nothing beats that. Now pay up before I order another round. I wasn't finished. The dentist patiently waited for their attention. I found myself curious about the seedlings, so I took it home and planted it in a pot. It wouldn't grow. I, I figured it was due to a difference in temperature, pH, or maybe the bacteria. So the next day, I gathered all the extracted teeth and sloughed off material from my office, and then I mixed it into the soil. He slowly traced his finger across the glass surface of his phone and turned it towards them. This is what grew. Jesus! The paramedic squeezed her eyes shut. The doctor leaned back, suddenly green. The waitress set down another round of drinks in front of the cop. He pushed them over to the dentist and left. The paramedic and doctor each threw down a handful of cash and hurried after him. The dentist sat in the dark corner, sipped his free beer, and stared at the thing on his phone. That wasn't very Christmassy. <laughs> Here, Ryan, you can edit this in. A Christmas tree twinkled weakly in the corner. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was. I feel like that was probably my suggestion. That was your suggestion. Or you know, the dentist shakes the the gray snow off his boots or something. I I thought that freezing rain was more miserable than snow. I was going to have the cop coming in out of the snow, but I was like, nah, freezing rain. This is a awful, bitter, dark, urban, gritty story. I was at the dentist once, and I had this one dental hygienist who just never stopped talking, and she was delightful, but she told me about the time she found a tomato seed in someone's gums that had sprouted. No way. And I was like, I wish you didn't tell me that. I wish you didn't tell me now, uh, but one day I will write a story about that. <laughs> and I wish I could say the stuff about the rats uh, and all that was exaggeration, but um, it's not. That happens. When it really happened, were they able to save the rat then? Yes, Drew. Yes. Yes, yes Drew. Okay. There, there is a Santa Claus. He's happy. He's living in Florida. <laughs> it was a Christmas miracle. What follows is the only story not appearing in We Bleed Red and Green by Jeff C. Carter, available on Amazon. So enjoy it while you can. Vigil by Ryan Jirasi. The soft flame snaked around the awesome hall from side to side until each white candle danced as one. Silent Night added power to the strange miracle of the vigil, since, though currently being sung in a thousand keys, it still managed to melt into glorious harmony way up in the high arches of the old house of worship. The family had lapsed in recent times, no longer able to make it to church every Sunday, but they never missed a Christmas Eve, not if they could help it. 
The children especially insisted they be there to hold the candles, to watch the flames sway, to feel the tiny warmth and share it with others, to hear the somber, haunting melody of the carol and let it lift individually every hair on their heads. The boy had interest in neither the doctrine nor the dogma, but the architecture, the iconography, the majesty of the place itself is what held his fascination, and on Christmas Eve, more than any other day, there really was magic here. As at every Christmas vigil, there was standing room only, and the little family stood against the back wall. It was better. This way you could see every marvel there was to see. Better, that is, unless the unthinkable were to occur. Occasionally, nature gets the better of everyone, and despite preparations to the contrary, suddenly the boy's worst fears were coming true. He surveyed the long aisle stretching all the way to the front of the church, and the masses of elbows he would have to muscle through to get where he needed to go. The eyes of everyone who would know exactly what he was up to were embarrassing enough. But there was also another fear. That basement. There was nothing for it, though, and he made the trek, carrying his candle with him, a beacon bobbing along in the sea of singers, heading towards the bathroom. He passed through a great square rent in the wall and down a winding staircase into the bowels of the church, the comfortable sounds of the song fading behind. It was darker here, and the majestic stained glass and natural wood of the nave gave way to unpainted drywall and brown railings. At the bottom of the stairs was another large hall, and beyond that, the weird, creepy basement bathroom. Why they ever designed the building in such a way was a mystery, perhaps to remind parishioners of true suffering. It was this antechamber that was always the real cause of concern, as it dead-ended in an enormous brown steel door that towered floor to ceiling and stretched wall to wall. The boy always wondered what could possibly lurk beyond the security of that oppressive apparatus, the thick metal secured with a thicker bar, the paint that blended with the color of the walls, it sucked all the light from the room and the warmth from his bones. Thank goodness he'd brought his little candle. With a breath and a nod, he put one foot into the hallway. In the same instant, the flame flickered as though caught in a strong wind. It was distraction enough that he almost missed the sound coming from the direction of the door. The sound of scratching. He didn't need to pee that badly. He turned to flee up the stairs, but a voice, muffled but discernible, stopped him cold. Wait, don't go, it said, sounding rosier than a disembodied voice in an empty hall should sound. The boy stopped and turned. He was all alone. He made for the stairs again with somewhat more gusto. It's me, Santa Claus. The boy stopped again, incredibly confused. You shouldn't play jokes on people in church, he chided. It's no joke, the voice continued with a chuckle. It really is me. The boy pinpointed the location of the speaker behind the big scary door. I need your help, little boy, the voice continued, a slight pleading note creeping in. Won't you please let me out? Are, are you really Santa? The boy asked, curiosity overcoming the ridiculous horror of the situation. But of course I am. Well, what are you doing in there? Shouldn't you be delivering the toys? Aha, an intelligent lad, a remarkable lad. Yes, I should, and that's why I need your help. You see, I have storerooms like this in churches all around the world. I stopped here to refill my sack, and the door closed behind me. Can you believe it? Gee, I always wondered what was behind there. Well, now you are one of the privileged few who knows. But I really am in a hurry now, and I'll tell you what else. I can't stand listening to another one of those carols. I know they're supposed to be my thing and all, but even Santa has his limits. For the first time since reaching the bottom of the stairs, the boy re-registered the sounds of singing. God rest ye merry gentlemen, it sounded like. It had the effect of snapping him back to reality. I'll go ask my mom. She can get you out. No, the voice insisted, a note of desperation now. It has to be you, someone special, someone innocent. That's just how the magic works. And since you'll essentially be saving Christmas, why, I have a special present with your name on it. 
The boy was a natural warrior, but this time found himself in an extremely tricky spot. On the one hand, this was weird. This hulking metal monster door always gave him the ultra willies, and having never been so close before, he had never noticed the cracks along the edges and the way the paint bubbled up in certain spots. But, on the other hand, there might be a Santa behind there. He swallowed hard. How, how do I open it? The voice came back, pleased and slick. Do you see the thin, shiny strip just at your height? I see it, the boy responded. It looks sharp. Oh, it's sharp, all right. What you need to do is just run your hand along there and give the door just a little tiny bit of your blood. My blood? The boy was understandably incredulous. Well, there are safeguards, of course. They couldn't make it so just anyone could find my gifts, could they? Well... The voice continued. Hey, I did it to get in here. It's no big deal. You won't even feel it. Less pain than one of those... What do you call them? Variolations. The boy still wasn't sure. On the one hand, blood. On the other hand, Santa. Speaking of hands, he timidly reached out with the one not holding the candle. And speaking of candles, the closer his empty, fragile little digits got to the razor's edge of the ever more sinister door, the more the flame guttered and swung, a metronome keeping time with his rising heartbeat. His hand was almost upon the blade, the flame was so low. A new carol began upstairs, and the sound of shrieking ribbons began again from beyond the door. The space between skin and steel was invisible to the naked eye. The boy leaned in, entranced with the possibilities that lay beyond, when suddenly a new voice cut across his reverie. What are you doing? the boy's mother asked. The boy looked around, blinking once or twice. Mom! Santa's trapped back here! We have to get him out! All sounds from beyond the door ceased. The boy's candle, though, melted halfway, burned steadily in the still, musty air. The old bomb shelter? his mother said. There's nothing back there, just blankets and rats. Come on, it's time to go home. But you don't want to be awake when the real Santa comes around, do you? There was no arguing, but her words cut deeper than any door ever could have. There'd be no Santa this year, maybe never again, and the boy would have to carry that weight for the rest of his life. But wait, if he could only sneak out... There was still Midnight Mass after all. Like a proper candle, the flame registered the killing intent from behind the door. Yeah, in my real church back home, there was a real gigantic steel door in the basement that you had to go past to get to a weird gross bathroom, and it always really freaked me out. What I love is that it could have been a demon, masquerading as Santa to uh, trick a child or it could be some weird thing where the church captured Santa because <laughs> they didn't like how secular Christmas was becoming right. you know? it was the war on Christmas I was just thinking it would be great if they trapped a demon in a bomb shelter and then the bomb falls and they go to the shelter and let the thing out that'd be awesome <laughs> or they're trapped inside with it okay you have my permission to gank the story and make it your own <laughs> I look forward to We Gank Red and Green, your collection of <laughs> holiday horror. That brings my short story collection up to 48 pages. Uh, we believe Red and Green is, is only 65 pages. I'm almost there. I'm almost, almost there. there. I can never actually release all my short stories as a collection, though, because most of them are either Halloween or Christmas. You, you probably can't mix the two together. It'd be an interesting idea. Why not? You could have a break in the middle. Christmaween. Write one good Thanksgiving story, <laughs> and then you, you got a collection right That's there. It. Yeah. Ryan, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that story. It was really good. Thank you very much, and likewise for all of yours. And people, please do pick up We Bleed Red and Green, available on Amazon. The story of another year has come to an end. 
Our mugs of hot chocolate are empty. The twinkling lights that were strung up to hold back the darkness offer little warmth against the relentless assault of winter. Get close to the embers of the fire. Curl up, keep warm, and stay safe. The new year is waiting for us in all its unknown glory and terror.